Welcome to the Happy Mindset, episode 149. Today's episode is called Form versus Function. So today's episode is based off of a video that I saw recently about Elon Musk. The title is actually quite clickbaity. I'm surprised it was actually a really good video when I when I looked into it. So it's just one of those ones that I was glad I clicked into it afterwards. Basically, the what I'm talking about today, it, the, the, the title of the video was Elon Musk accidentally reveals his secret hack. The thing is, he talks about this all the time anyway. It's, it's the first principles approach to life. He learned this through physics. That a first principles approach to life, I mentioned before, it's like base, it's questioning your basic assumptions about life, is a good way to innovate and to create things that aren't there today and even see things that are there today. Because in that video, which is very eye-opening, it mentioned about people talking about the future and being disappointed that we don't have flying cars like there was in the what was the, Back to the Future movies, that we don't have flying cars today. But the thing is, we do have flying cars today because they're airplanes. It's just the form. So we're so fixated on needing, needing it to look like a car that's flying rather than seeing the obvious solution right now that there's airplanes today. That's the form it's taken. The function is the same thing. It's a vehicle that flies in the sky. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Through my own experience, uh, a form versus function, why it's helpful to be flexible on the form and be clear on the function. I'm going to talk about this from the from education because it's a passion of mine. I've always been driven to bring about some change to education in some way. I know that's a very big topic, and there's lots of other people out there as well trying to do trying to do similar things to me. So I want to help other people like me who want to see a shift in education, to see the things that are there today, the tools that are available today that you can use. Because the struggle I had at the very start was that when I thought about wanting to change education, I was fixated on the on the form. So I thought it had to be in these institutions like universities or it had to be in schools. It had to be in the classroom. But what I found useful is to have a flexibility on the form. So just because I'm not in a traditional sense a teacher today doesn't mean that I, I can't be a teacher and doesn't mean that I can't get ideas across that will be helpful. Because I suppose the biggest shift I suppose there's a shift in paradigm here when it comes to the self-education piece that I'm focused on. So it's, it's really looking at first a principles approach to life, really looking at the questions you're asking yourself. So a lot of what I'm doing here with the podcast is sharing questions that have helped me, assumptions that I've seen through, things I'm working through right now, just to give a, an experience of what real life learning is about and what self-education is about. I don't think that's so easy to teach in a classroom anyway. So the way things kind of have taken form for me over the years, I found that I enjoy one-to-one, speaking with people one-to-one. I enjoy helping them with creativity in general. So it's not just a subject in the traditional sense. That's another thing I would have been blocked by years ago. I thought that in order to help somebody with something, it had to be a specific subject, even though I wasn't fully invested in that. I didn't really want to help people with just a language like French or English or whatever language it was. I much prefer to work on the individual on a level of creativity, on a level of helping them to question from a first principles approach to life, because I love doing that. I love thinking about that, and that's what I enjoy doing. So when it comes to the tools today that are available already, the technology is there to, to innovate and to do education in a different way. 
again, it's, it's kind of getting eyes for it. So the immediate transition I went from thinking about the classroom was to thinking about online learning courses. Because I found that useful. It is useful. But you might be the type of person where that is a great medium for you. Like I'm saying, if you're, if you're really focused on the self-education piece and wanting it to constantly evolve, then doing courses mightn't be the perfect fit for you as an educator. So, for example, podcast. That's the form that is taken for me. So with the with podcasting, I find it, so, so for example there, I want to help people with creativity to question things from a first principles approach. What you'll find with creativity and a first principles approach to life, it, it's never ending. So a course might necessarily be the best medium for that. In a course, you can teach people some of the principles. I've done that before with Mindset Hacks for Language Learners on Udemy. I taught some, I, I, I explained some principles that I use with language learning. What I learned from that experience was that it didn't, I didn't have a lot of students in that course. And that didn't give me much feedback to work with. So with the podcast, this is a never-ending thing that I'm doing. I'm constantly putting material out there. I'm looking at the stats, like well, how many downloads are this getting. And I'm seeing, I'm starting to see, are people engaging with me on this? Are they, even I'm starting to do a few one-to-ones with people at the moment around creativity. I'm starting to see, is what I'm saying helpful? Are they starting to get what I'm talking about here? So I can, if they're not getting it, I need to rethink things a little bit, slightly. It's not like a massive shift, but I'll need to rethink things. So that's why a podcast is a great medium for me, because it's, it's never ending. I'm going to keep putting content out there. Week to week helps me to refine things, to think about things, think about things in a slightly different way and to even synthesize stuff. So this form versus function thing, this is a, I'm talking about this in a new way than how I usually talk about it. Because I wouldn't usually talk so much, I suppose, about a first principles approach to life. But because of a podcast and because it gives, it gives me that outlet to talk about this stuff, then it'll branch into things like this. When you're looking at life through a first principles lens, you'll start getting language and different ways of looking at things like this form versus function thing. Makes sense to me when I see that video. It wouldn't have made sense to me a few years back because I wouldn't have been familiar with this concept of first principles approach to life. Another thing that I feel with self-education is it's a long-term approach. It takes quite a while for things to start clicking. So you need to just keep persisting and keep listening in and, and eventually you'll start to realize as long as you're committed to it that, yeah, I am seeing life a bit differently now and I'm seeing it a bit more realistically. Like when you know things are improving is when your results are getting closer to how you imagine things. Like when the gap between your imagination, your perception of the world and actual reality starts to narrow and, and your results are coming closer to what you want them to be. That's when you know you're making progress with things. Because what I found in my life when I didn't have a first principles approach to life, when I didn't really understand my perception of life had a huge influence on, on everything, I felt lost. I, I didn't, and I was looking for other people to tell me where to go. And so you're, it's kind of the blind leading the blind kind of thing you're falling into there. So that's the tool anyway that I found from self-education that's there today. Podcasts have been in existence for quite a while now. Books, again, that's the other medium that I'm using here with teaching. Books and a podcast. The other thing I see in the future, and it ties into the illustrations I do with this podcast, is I want to do animations, animated charts sometime in the future. I've got nothing on that right now. It's not something that I'm prioritizing. But I know that from just writing the books, continuing with the podcast, 
including illustrations and, and drawings and what we're doing, eventually it'll come to a stage where there'll be like animated shorts. And so this is how I think about this. It would like be a one minute animated short, two or three minutes or something. And you build from there. That's, uh, I think it was actually touched on in that video. What I'm talking about there is, uh, is a gradual improvement. It's that continuous improvement process. This video actually highlighted another thing that's, that's useful to keep in mind. Continuous improvement is good, but it's not the only way to do something. And it's not always the best way to do something. It comes back to this first principles approach. So continuous improvement is that you've already got boundaries in place. So you've got measurements. So you are improving incrementally. But with a first principles approach to life, you're questioning basic assumptions. So you can experience paradigm shifts. Paradigm shifts in how you see things. So you can make progress again. So it's taking something as simple as uh, doing this podcast. I wasn't making progress with my self-education mission to, to educate and to, to teach by focusing on the online world. Again, for me, I, I didn't want to. So I was an English teacher when I left university, but I realized intuitively that I did not want to go into teaching within the system. It wasn't for me. I actually wanted to help change the system and I wasn't going to be able to change the system within the system. So I wouldn't have the language to know that back then, 10 years ago, but I had an intuition that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach, help people, but I didn't want to do it within the system because I felt the system was actually the, the problem I was trying to solve. So what I found then, after a while, I started teaching and educating myself online. I wanted to give back, so I started doing online courses. I did one online course on Udemy, and I didn't feel like it had much impact. But even though the course didn't work out as I wanted it to, it didn't devastate me. And it came back to focusing on the function. So the function here behind all of this is to help people with self-education, help them in the same way that I've been helped with self-education. So the form is flexible. So when I look back in that experience, I was like, I don't want to, I don't necessarily feel drawn to doing another course right now. I don't really want to go down that route. And so the, the form was flexible. So I just continued on with the podcast because I was enjoying the podcast. I was meeting new people in the podcast. So it wasn't even with the podcast, with the, with the data that I look at sometimes, it doesn't matter an awful lot. I really focus on come back to the function. Am I actually enjoying this? Do I, do I, am I learning a lot from this? Am I improving as a person? They're all important parts there in the function of me. I doing all this stuff. If it was just purely focused on helping other people, then I think I think you'd come stuck again because you'd be so fixated on the farm. You would have to, yeah, you'd be so fixated on the feedback from other people. Because yeah, you'd be fixated on the farm again. You'd be fixated on what other people think of what you're doing. Again, that will stifle innovation, creativity. Because what happens with innovation and creativity, you're going to go through a long period of people not getting what you're on about and taking. Because what the way I feel things kind of change over time is that there's a general shift that happens in the collective from whatever's happening in the world and, and things like that. So sometimes you can be potentially a few years ahead of something happening where other people will start to click with it and start to connect with it and start to understand, geez, what he, what you're talking about over there is looking like the solution to the current problem that we're facing. I feel like tapping into your intuition, getting to know yourself, you can actually discover some of this stuff ahead of time. That's where the innovation comes from. Because when you think about it, when I think about it in my own life, I've often had intuitions about things 
But what stopped me was the fear of what other people would think. So I would never explore it. So then maybe five years down the line, I'm like, now something's a trend. And I'm like, I was looking into that a few years ago. And I was embarrassed about looking into that. And I didn't say anything. And so if I'd actually had the courage to pursue that and make something of that, then I would have been well ahead of the curve on things. So that's something to, to, to actually think of with, uh, whenever you notice something that you're curious about, but you've got a bit of embarrassment about it, you're like, I don't really want people to notice about me. Link that with the feeling of regret of not following something when you had an intuition about things. Because the other thing that starts to happen here is that you start to trust yourself more when you've got the courage to face things you're a little bit embarrassed or weird or awkward about. When things start to eventually pan out in the future, I don't know when they'll start panning out, but you gradually start to trust yourself. And you also start to see the types of people that are actually doing that. It becomes more clear to you the types of people who are shying away from this stuff and the people who are brave enough to just do it regardless of the outcome. They might fail, they might fall flat in their face, but at least they're, they're trying so I want to add a final F to what I'm talking about today. So I talked about form, function. The last thing I want to mention is feedback, the feedback loop. This is why flexibility on the form is really important because without flexibility on the form, you can really delay the feedback cycle. So for example, with the form there, if I'm fixated on an online course, doing online courses, it takes a long time to do an online course. It took me, I took the month of January, I think it was 2019. I took the month of January to do it. I think I spent maybe two hours a day most days that month doing that course and ended up I think with like 10 students in the course two years later. So if I was fixated on the farm and with being adamant that I need to do another Udemy course just like that and it's going to work next time, the feedback's very, very limited there. So with the flexibility on the farm, I'm like, okay, I don't want to put all that mental energy into creating another course that might flop again. It mightn't flop, but I didn't enjoy the, doing the course as much as I enjoy doing podcasting. So I reshift my focus on the farm to the podcast. Like, how do I start incorporating even more so educational elements into this podcast? So that's when I start in the long term bringing in stuff about language learning, bringing in stuff about computer programming, bringing in stuff about creativity, bringing in stuff about logic. So it's it's something that organically evolves, and then the guests as well will be filtered through those lenses. The people I have on the podcast will be filtered by. How is this relevant to self-education? What perspective is this adding to the conversation? So I, I guess I think about it more so in a conversational thing. It's a conversation that we're having over time. The other thing that, that I, again, is flexibility on the farm. Recently, I've been working one-to-one -one with people on creativity. I learned so much from that. I learned the type of people who are interacting with me there. A team that was coming up was entrepreneurship in some of the people I was helping which I hadn't expected. And that for me kind of connected back to where this all began. I felt entrepreneurial when I started all this. And as I've evolved and I've been discovering that it's through writing, through creating books and through a podcast, I started seeing myself less and less as an entrepreneur, even though the entrepreneurial spirit was a backbone to starting everything and it's still there. So that's what I was discovering in the call with, with in the calls with the people that I'm working with at the moment help them to get eyes for where their entrepreneurial spirit can connect to something that mightn't look on the surface entrepreneurial. So me even taught having that conversation as a teacher, that helps me to reflect on well, maybe the entrepreneurial spirit has never gone. Maybe it's still there. Maybe this is the manifestation. Maybe this is the form. Maybe I was so fixated on the form of an entrepreneur looking like an Elon Musk type, somebody who builds a company, who builds a product, and it's a profit-driven enterprise as well. I was so fixated on that being my idea of entrepreneurship, 
that I kind of overlooked that I've been following my path as an entrepreneur. This is the form that it's taking for me. So that's, again, something to, to, uh, to think about because you might have that entrepreneurial spirit and you might be fixated on creating a product or creating something that looks like maybe a Dragon's Den kind of experience where you're pitching a product and it's all about like the product and putting something to the market and stuff. Whereas you could look at an entrepreneurial spirit more so in the sense that it's that spirit that will help you to notice problems in your life, that will help you to notice solutions if you're willing to work on them, and then to share those solutions with people who've had similar problems who haven't had the good fortune of finding a solution yet. That's another way of looking at entrepreneurship, that entrepreneurial spirit that can be useful because, again, it comes back to you're not focused so much on the farm and you're getting more feedback and it's more experimental. So I suppose really looking at entrepreneurship as more what's the character traits of somebody who's entrepreneurial? What's that entrepreneurial spirit that if you could bottle it, what would be what would be some of the things that we mentioned in the ingredients? And for me there, an entrepreneur would be somebody who is willing to experiment, willing to fail because they see failure as feedback. They don't see it as a personality flaw or a flaw in themselves. They see it as reality, feedback from reality that will help them to to move forward and iterate until they find something that works. So it'll be that experimental approach, a bit of playfulness, I would imagine too, like a Richard Branson type, he kind of strikes me as a playful kind of character. Adventure, that would be Richard Branson there too. Even Elon Musk there as well with his journey to Mars. As well, another thing as an entrepreneur, it would be that, that, that willing to let go of what people think about you. Like if you're an Elon Musk person, I think there's only one Elon Musk in the world. But if you're telling people that you've got a plan to go to Mars, you have to be okay with them looking like looking at you like a, like an alien, like you're not from this planet, and you're not thinking straight. So that for me would be the entrepreneurial spirit. There, somebody who's who's comfortable in themselves, who puts in a lot of research. If you if you, if you study somebody like Elon Musk as well, you get a, you get an insight into how much work and dedication and commitment has gone into him doing all this stuff, how much there is actually skills-wise to what he's doing. As well, that would be another thing I would see in entrepreneurship. It's somebody who's got a vision who's also got skills to back it up. So either they can create the product or they've got the people skills to interact with people who can create the products for them. A Steve Jobs type would probably come into my mind there of somebody who's got the skills to interact with people who've got technical skills that can make a product viable. You have the people skills. So you need to have skills and vision there as an entrepreneur. That's kind of how I would look at it. And flexibility. Because I've often heard when I read entrepreneurs, there's, there's always an element of doors being closed all the way and then, then spotting an opportunity. I feel that comes down to the persistence and just keep on doing something, iterating, changing things. I think as an entrepreneur, you'd have to have a first principles approach to life. You'd have to really question some of your assumptions because what happens when you're not going to, you're not willing to question any assumptions, you're just going to be stuck in a roadblock until you will look at the assumptions you're making. I think that can happen. So that's, uh, so that's many of the things I wanted to cover today. It's the first principles approach to life. A lot of F today, form, function, feedback, first principles. It's useful to keep in mind. It's, I suppose it's the, so the way I would look at it, continuous improvement is more the analytical mind making small refinements over time that will help you to improve with more deliberate practice. 
I would say first principles connects more to creativity. It's really questioning reality itself with an open mind, being willing to see reality in a new way so that you can, because what it does is it, it helps you to think in a different way because you need to think in a different way to create something different. That's what the first principles approach would give you. So that's it. That's what I wanted to share today. Yeah, so if you want to support the podcast, you can head on over to happymindset.com. We've got a membership option there now. Five euro a month if you want to support the podcast. There's also going to be a group call if you want to improve your creativity, work in your creativity, uh, find a passion project like we're doing here, something that just lights you up for the sake of it lighting you up. So that's what we can help you with. But that's it anyway. Thanks again for listening, and I will speak to you on the next episode.